Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Emily. And I'm Margot. Yay. Well, today we have a really exciting topic. Well, all our topics are exciting, but I think this one is perfect for um, our time of year as it is the time we would normally be getting ready to go back to school shopping, which was a pretty big deal back in the day. Yeah, I think we landed on back to school as the framework for this episode so that we could talk about stores and also catalogs that we ordered a lot of our favorite clothes from. Yeah, I I, I remember very like early on we would talk of course about Delia's, but then we started thinking of some of the low low like deeper cuts like Girlfriends LA and some of the Just Nikki and like some of those catalogs that we maybe didn't order anything from, but, like, remember getting or seeing ads for in, like, Seventeen Magazine or Cosmo Girl. I really think that if you were between the ages of 9 and 21 in the 90s, you came across at least one Delia's catalog or one Girlfriends LA or a Just Nikki's or even, like, a Moxie Magazine or catalog because yeah. a lot of them were also connected to – the begin- they weren't just catalogs. It was sort of like the full 360 content marketing that you're so used to now, where a lot of these catalogs were eventually spun off into websites that kind of were all about like pop feminism for like a younger set. Yeah, definitely like a lifestyle component where it was taking the concept of like the magalog or the catazine, whatever you want to call it, but giving it an online uh, treatment. It was sort of like co-opting the punk zine yeah and merging it with consumer retail fashion (laughs) but I think what's good to note about these catalogs are that they also like reached a lot of girls who were not near like a city center that didn't live like in LA or New York or DC or whatever so that they could replicate what they saw on MTV or just flipping through a like a teen magazine and be able to like get the same look and not feel so isolated in a lot of ways it's also kind of where you shopped before there was like an H&M or Forever 21. Um, The catalogs were sort of integral to my back to school shopping. Or if you were me visiting family in France, a Minitel, which I love the fuck out of those things. I thought that was so cool that you had a basically obsolete computer that could only order you things from like QVC, like, or you could order from like, uh, they had like a bunch of catalogs. You could pick whatever catalog you were looking for. And then you could pick, your clothing through that. It was just like having a victorious... It was sort of like having Cher's closet that you see from Clueless merged with a catalog and it was very grainy and not like a good resolution. It looked like MS-DOS type shit. But I still loved it. I loved the novelty of it because I still to this day love getting nice things in the mail. I tie my love of getting things in the mail to the lyrics, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) To bring it back to Sound of Music. Uh. Were we 
Did we bring that up in a previous episode? Did we tie something to sound of music? No, no, we didn't. Um, or maybe we did. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I honestly don't remember. But uh, that's definitely like <laughs> I think where my love of getting things in the mail comes from, and my addiction for online shopping for sure. I'm pretty sure my love language is gifts, so I fucking love getting <laughs> gifts in the mail, even if it's something that I forgot I ordered, or even something oh, yeah. I know that I ordered that shows up. But nothing can replace the thrill of going to a mall. I, what were your favorite mall stores to hit up when you're like, new school year, new me? Yeah. And what were you getting? Well, as we, we discussed, sadly, I went to Catholic school during most of my pivotal years where I was expressing myself through fashion. But my favorite stores for sure as a tween teen would have been, obviously, Delia's had a store in my um, mall, so I love that store. Lucky. Very lucky. Limited to when I was more of a tween. The Gap, I guess. And then I really liked Pac Sun for a while. Duh. Of course. And then I did, did. you guys have like a Tilly's? No, Tilly's I don't think was a thing on the East Coast. It was just a West Coast thing. We also, I mean, Abercrombie at one point, but very short lived because it was like I was into it for a bit and then I was like, oh, wait, I'm paying $30 for a t-shirt that I like. I just hated it because it was always dark and smelled too strongly. I, I remember some one, one of the first times I went to Abercrombie to get a pair of jeans that I saw some other girl wearing that I really liked. Obviously, it was like the shredded ones. I was like, I'm just going to go in and get these fucking jeans. I'm going to leave. I'm not going to be a part of this like Abercrombie cult. But I walk in, I'm like, why is it so dark in here? And mind you, I had younger eyes. No, you couldn't see a Couldn't bad, see shit. And then I thing. finally find somebody who works there in a fucking polo, standing at the front, like, misting the place. I'm like, hey, where are your jeans? He's like, over there. And he points to, like, a dark corner. I'm like, where's that? That's, I don't know. They literally had, that was someone's job, because my sister worked for Abercrombie <laughs> Kids at one point. That was her mall job. And that was a thing. You actually were spraying the clothes with their signature scent. That is someone's job. Some poor to ruin in high school between SAT prep is working Saturdays at the Abercrombie spraying cologne on polo shirts. Well, remember when they had that terrible lawsuit and then everybody you know got like a dollar fifty eight because they had to if you bought anything between the years of two thousand and one to two thousand and eight, which like I think almost everyone did. Yeah, they lost a lawsuit where they had to send you like a dollar and some change i never cashed in on that that's that's really unfortunate yeah me Uh, neither what were your stores at the mall uh definitely a i loved an express i still kind of love an express even though i don't go inside uh i was more of like a mervin's i was a maxinista like a tj max a marshall's oh yeah kind of gal i went to i loved a lowman's like Mm. my mom is a legendary discount shopper and she's also very thrifty so i sort of had like a mix of clothes but i definitely always kind of defaulted to like a limited to not even like a limited to because i did get a lot of stuff from there as well and then when i started to outgrow it I would sort of repurpose it as, like, dance clothes. Yeah. Because <laughs> they did a lot of, like, twin sets, and it just sort of made you look put together. Yeah, and they had a lot of the built-in bra tank tops. Yes. Um, I just loved a Sam Goody whenever I would have to go to the mall. But mostly we went to, like, a lot of department stores. But the Beverly Center, which was, shout out, one of my malls in addition to the Burbank Mall, but the Beverly Center had a Delia's for a moment in time. They also had a Beyond the Beach And a Bath and Body Works. So you sort of just, like, hit them all. And I think they also had, like, niche. Well, they also had a pet store that definitely had puppy milk puppies in there. But they were so cute. And I was, like, eight. I didn't know 
And they also had, like, niche stationery stores, which is still very much my shit. So that's why I kind of liked going there. Yeah, no, I was a big fan. I worked in a stationery store at, at the Tyson's. So I, I, my mall was Tyson's Corner um, Center or Tyson's Mall um, in Virginia. And uh, I worked in that mall. <laughs> In high school and in breaks between in college between uh, school semesters, I worked at an Aeropostal or Aeropostal. Aeropostal. And they never clarified the spelling. Are you or serious? The pronunciation. How I dare you? Are a worker? I know. I made a, a reasonable six dollars. <laughs> I and then uh, I worked at a like a mom and pop stationery store that was in the mall as well in between breaks in college, which was great because I learned everything there was to know about fountain pens. Oh, I was very happy to discover as of yesterday that the photo place that I used to work at is still open in Burbank. So oh, good. you go cam photo. I was very pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, in this day and age, film, oh, you're still buying it? All right. Yeah, I think the stationery store is closed, sadly. And then um, I think that Aeropostale. Are they still? I don't think they're still I a think thing. they may have lost the battle. And a lot of the, the research that I did war. for Delia's, there was a lot of talk about like the mall apocalypse, like yep. retail, long-standing retail stores going out of business, like a, well, I guess JCPenney's not out of business, but like a Sears or something, a staple. Well, and Penny's is close. I mean, they filed for bankruptcy right. for sure. Do you have an iconic back to school look? And by iconic, I mean tragic. Well, for me, because of the uniform, I think most of mine were around accessories and haircuts. So I mentioned in the Olsen Twins episode, I tried to recreate one of Mary Kate's uh, haircuts. I believe it was in Our Lips Are Sealed. And it was like kind of a layered. <laughs> choppy layers. Choppy layers. And it looked so cute on her, not so cute on me. I mean, you quickly discovered that you need to have a very specific type of hair in order to pull that off. Yes, and a small face, which I do not have. And then I definitely once uh, in high school bought a messenger bag because I wanted to appear cool. Mm. Um, I That lasted about two seconds because I had like a billion textbooks and that, <laughs> that shit does not fare well in a messenger bag. And then Messenger uh, bags just don't fare well in real life no, anyway. I no, finally no. bought one of those fucking chrome bags when I was working full-time in the city right after college. And quickly I was like, this is hurting my shoulder and it doesn't hold very much. No, I fucking hate this. No. The last thing that I remember of, of my iconic mm, looks, actually this was pretty good. I had for school shoes in high school, I had the Doc Martin uh, Mary Jane shoes. And that oh. was because we had to wear specific, you know, like black right. or brown or whatever Catholic school. Did they have any like buckle restrictions? Um, No, but I did in my middle school, Catholic middle school. I think I helped. I'm the reason why they wrote a new rule for shoes. I had, I had skirted around the heel rule with platform school shoes i think I, they were like steve madden you remember those chunky oh yeah yeah, yeah. quite so, well <laughs> so i had a pair of those and i'm pretty sure they put a rule against them after because they did skirt around the rules but of having a high heel right but they were still you know high up so anyway that's my claim to fame what was your iconic look um i think it was coming into seventh grade i <laughs> decided that I was going to take the plunge and do... I had too many things going at once. I had the Natalie Imbruglia torn haircut. Mm. I there, A Hot Topic had recently opened in Burbank. And so I had a shirt that said Bad Kitty on it in, like, rhinestone. I also got braces that year. It was a fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, too many themes. I needed to, like, pick. I should have been, like, I'm either goth or I have an edgy haircut or something else, but I had, or like, I'm just doing the brace face thing, which uh, that was a whole nightmare. So that, that was one terrible look. 
Um, I also decided, I think it was going into 10th grade, I was in my punk phase. So I had orange hair, still had braces, but I was getting them off soon. And I had like, it was sort of like Farrah Fawcett hair, but it was like bright orange and I didn't want like a regular backpack. So I ended up getting a diaper bag from a thrift store called American Way in Burbank. And I wanted it, the diaper bag, because it had a bunch of different pockets, but oh, it was also right. Peter Rabbit. And I was oh. like, fuck yeah. It's like, this is so fucking punk rock. And I also had <laughs> Doc Martens, but they were vinyl Doc Martens. I believe they were 16 eyelets. And I wore those. Oh, yeah. I mean, September, it's not chilly in Burbank. It is quite warm. It is at least in the 90s. And I wore those almost every fucking day, like a complete lunatic. Yeah, I mean, I wore those because I had to wear school shoes. I wore those Doc Martin Mary Jane, like, for three years of high school. I think those were my school shoes. They lasted. I testament to, to Docs. Yeah, I never had a hot girl summer or a hot nerd fall. Like, I failed completely at that. So I'm very happy to have all the pressure of back to school off of my shoulders. But when I was working at, like, an after-school program, having to see their list of, like, back-to-school needs just would have caused so much anxiety. Like, you need, like, crayons and, like, a bunch of different kinds, and you got to get a new backpack, and you have to bring Kleenex for the class. Like, what? And a lot of times the specificity around that, like, it must right. be this color, this Non-bleach markers. Do people still have to buy TI-83 calculators? Is oh, that... I don't know. I mean, you have a fucking calculator on your phone now. I have I no idea what you need. I don't know how Texas Instruments is making money these days, but I remember, like, and this is for decades because it was the 80s. They definitely the cornered, 81. yeah, they cornered the middle school geometry market. Everyone had to buy that calculator. And now you could probably get a way better graphing calculator on your phone with an app. So I, I can't imagine that TI-83 is selling those anymore. People are requiring them. At least I, I don't know. Not. Have you walked through a fucking Staples recently? It's like a ghost town. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I Well, no, I certainly have not, which is why it is a ghost town. But yeah, I mean, with, with back to school, as, as we discussed, like fashion was key. I think for me, you know, looking back, and I think this ties in nicely to our last episode on the Spice Girls, there was a huge amount of spending cash for teen tween girls in the late 90s. This was like, you know, we were kids of baby boomers. There were a ton of people our age. In fact, in um, 2001, tweens, so this is like the 10 to 14 set, numbered about 27.6 million people. That sounds, maybe it was more, sorry, I don't have the exact age number, but I think it was tweens, early teens was a pretty large amount of the population. And the spending power was that they were influencing more than 150 million in annual family spending. Like, whoa, yeah. I mean, Clinton time. I remember yeah. there was a lot of spending happening, at least in my house. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. And it was, and so as a result, there were you know all these kind of voids that didn't had never been filled by a niche type of store. And I right, think what it is like a perfect breeding ground for a lack of a better term for niche markets because you have so many people to target and so many different demographics and groups for sure and i think this this uh, this kind of segues nicely into limited too which is the first story that we you know immediately thought of when we were kind of doing all the research for this episode since it was such a big deal for us so a little history on limited too it was originally a uh, subsidiary of the limited so it used to just be kind of a corner of the limited store um, the limited was a women actually doesn't even exist anymore. But the women, the limited was a yes. women's retail store. They were sort of like an express. Yeah, very much. I feel like they were a little more prof- 
not professional, but a little older, I would say. Yeah, it's sort of like between like an Ann Taylor Loft and a uh, Express. Also, yeah. oh gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It'll like come a back New York and Company. Yes. Oh, um, Max Max Morrow. Yeah, that sounds about right. Or like a BCBG or yeah, a BB yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah, but a bit cheaper. Like a, yeah. yeah, the cheaper end of like that mid-market business late, like sure. party girl business lady. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Like an outfit that you can take from day to night. Day to night, which is generally just a sequent top. Usually, yeah. Nine little, times out of ten. Little accent. <laughs> so it started out in 1987, so it was just a corner of like the limited store or like a small little adjoining store. And they were officially, they were originally just kind of branding towards young girls. And um, by 1995, they had 255 locations. And in 1996, they hired Michael Radin, who became the president, chairman, and chief, the CEO of Limited Two. And he had come from PacSun. And so this oh. was back when they were called Still Pacific Sunwear. Right. Um, and so this well, PacSun was, was like a recent thing. Like it became that in like 2003 or something. Right, right. But even before, and before then, even though they were, I mean, this was like the mid 90s. So it's like surfer skater wear. It was right. very popular. So Dogtown Z Boys, et cetera. Exactly. Done really good things over there in Tony Hawk. And so then he uh, goes to Limited 2 and he decides they're going to corner the market more towards this group called tweens because no one had really done this marketing. You had Gap Kids, you had a couple of other adult companies that had their own kind of children tween line, but it wasn't so like specified as limited to. And so he decides that he's going to make this place as like what, what he said in a quote in this one article I was reading, I saw it as kind of a little urban outfitters for a girl with appropriate merchandise and an exciting mix of hard and soft goods. So a place where you felt like you could shop for your, your clothes, for your, um, your room, and just have a place where you kind of play around with whatever. And so he wanted it to be a place where, pe where people could hang out. And so at its peak in the next few years, they started to experience like crazy numbers. By 1998, they had 311 stores, and they were the fast. They were the faster-growing division of the limited. They were posting a 24% sales growth to reach revenues of 322 million a year. And then their average store size, which is pretty big, was like 4,000 square feet. And I forgot. Whoa. But I forgot about that. They were huge. Like, they were. But because really they, like big. you said, they had like a combo of things. They did. Everything. They were like a smaller department store. They did exactly. They really thought of how what is everything that a tween girl has to buy. You have to buy clothes for school. You have to buy accessories. You have to buy gifts for people's birthdays furniture for your room and they really thought of all that and so they and even something down to bedding bedding they even had candy like you could get your ears pierced there like Claire's like they did everything and so he they started in 1998 to start selling those home design items such as like inflatable chairs that was like such, that was so huge oh my god I wanted one so badly I had a butterfly chair which was like the ones that were on like um, a wire frame that you would put the fabric on top oh okay I think I know what you're talking yeah, about yeah yeah and my and I had like a blue furry one or my sister had that one I had a different one like they had a lot of those furry cushions like this was all the rage body glitter everywhere shortly so much body glitter yeah, like no, the roll-on sticks everything so I remember buying a hair mascara that was the thing too where you'd have hair streaks. oh my god yeah. Emily I completely forgot about that yes <laughs> I loved I had one from limited too and it was lime scented it was a green one. Oh my god and it was lime scented. you just brought back like a weird birthday party memory right? <laughs> So uh, they start going in 2000 with their accessories that accounted for 18% of their sales. They extended their offerings to include swimwear, robes, and sleepwear, and intimate apparel. So they, again, they sold everything. 
And then eventually, in 1999, they spun off like a rebellious tween. They spun off from the Limited and became their own thing, Limited 2 Inc. and later 2 Inc. And then they have a design team in 2000 of nearly 40 people. Whoa. I... Talk about a dream job, like having working at Limited to like corporate in in like when I was twelve years old would have been like the coolest job in the world. A corporate job would have been the coolest job to you. Like thirteen going on thirty situation where it's like you know I read Sparkle. Okay, so if you like woke up, yeah, 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 as your thirty year old self and you worked at Limited to, you'd be stoked. Like on the design team, not like as a thirteen year old being like, I hope that this is my job. No, 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 no. Yeah, this is like a big or thirteen going on thirty situation is what I'm thinking. I'm I'm thinking about pulling a big <laughs> a real big situation they used focus groups they had sponsorships of concerts and events like I remember they did a heavy promo with lizzie mcguire which makes sense because if you look oh, at yeah. hillary duff's wardrobe that was i mean like, those pedal pushers i mean it was all like hillary, and those platform like, flip-flops lizzie and miranda's wardrobes were heavily clips li- hair clips to, if not delia's then limited to for sure yeah it was it was definitely the twisty a combo butterfly book. clips yeah. and all that of course um, and then they started launch. They launched their catalog in 1999, which they called a catazine. So that's what I was talking about earlier. Someone in marketing a magalog, a magalog or a catazine. A um, magalog which, sounds like an insult. It was mailed directly to 1.5 million preteen girls and featured, in addition to clothing and accessories for sale, articles on fashion tips, uh, advice on how to mix and match colors. They had a crossword puzzle, beauty tips calendar of events for teen interest so this was i mean they did everything and they it was like they also went online and around 2000 2001 they launched limited2.com where they had quizzes they had all sorts of offerings that you would find on like a teen magazine website in 2004 they opened their first justice store which is limited to but discount so it's it's going to be very similar style but at a much cheaper price point because something worth noting with limited to i don't remember if you guys remember this that shit was expensive it was not cheap and like that was something for me at least uh was a special occasion place like i did not right buy everything i could my parents could not afford buying everything at limited to and so what happens is justice starts to eclipse limited to and by 2008 they um, become, they decide to make the decision that they are going to switch everything from limited to to justice. And so they proceed to flip the like 400 or so limited to stores into, uh, oh, excuse me, 560 were rebranded as justice. And then they closed about 26 of them. Oh, well, only closing 26. That's actually not that bad. It's pretty impressive. And I and mean, it's not great, but it could be worse out of 500 some odd stores. Right. No, for sure. And so in 2009, and this is right after a recession, it's the rise of fast fashion. Like people yeah. just were not spending as much money on kids clothing. And so justice made sense. Um, and then cut to about seven or eight years later in 2015, they relaunched online. Um, they're now available at JCPenney, speaking of retailers that are not doing well, Amazon. <laughs> Dork. <laughs> and Burlington Coat Factory. And I did, I'm speaking of questionably still open, Burlington Coat Factory. Yeah, that may not be there anymore either. I think. No, I still see their commercials. I think they're still here. They said that part of the relaunch, there was this great Mike article about when the relaunch happened about four or five years ago, where they were saying that it had to do with the nostalgia factor. And former customers of the store, like people our age, were now having kids and would want the nostalgia, which is, again, I mean, it's totally perfectly normal in most parts of this country for a 30-something to have, like, a 12-year-old daughter. But for us, yeah, so... 
<laughs> but yeah, it's true. And then that was like, so that's a whole thing. And so now I did a little research. Um, I went on the limited to website. I showed Margo. It looks like it has not been updated. It looks like a GeoCity site for sure. And, and it's I, very like, it, here's a bunch of clip art, I guess. <laughs> Readers, if any of you are web designers, maybe reach out, reach out. To, to Limited Get 2. Get Emily's 13 going on 30 dream job. Do some pro bono work for Limited 2 and give them a snazzy website that they deserve. Or just point them in the direction of Squarespace, for fuck's sake. That's true. I mean, it's not that much, is it? They have some nice Not that templates. hard. If I yeah. can figure out Squarespace, anyone can. Anyone can. Some other highlights here. Limited 2, as we talked about, was very expensive, but that was where the store, like, my mom would take me there as a treat, or if I wanted that for a birthday present, like, I could get an outfit there, and that was, like, the gift. I remember getting my first full outfit from there, and it was for my 10th birthday. That's what I wanted. It was, like, I want limited, too. So I had, my dad took me, I had a little royal blue, like, v-neck shirt that had uh, limited, two on it, and then I had a jean sport. Oh, the jean sport, or yep. just skorts in general. Skorts in general, which sadly I had to wear in high school because that was our uniform. How, yeah, Catholic school. Did not miss doing that in high school. Nope. <laughs> Terrible. I have a school picture in my parents' house of me wearing a little limited, two. It was a tank top with, like, they were really big on the royal blue turquoise lime green color I feel scheme. like those were their colors, Those were their colors, and I had, like, a stripe <laughs> effect, similar to, like, a top you would buy at Madewell now, like... <laughs> Which which explains a lot of why I buy. If you shopped at well. yeah, if you shopped at Limited Two as a child, you shop at Maybell now. You pretty much. Pretty and also, much. the same could be said about Delia's. It's a muted yeah palette. I think the last thing to really bring up are I had of course some like silky pajamas from there that were lavender with like butterflies on them. Some great sparkly blue nail polish. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. I think everyone had a variation on silky pajamas at one point as right. a kid. Like the shorts and the button down. Yeah, which yeah. is exactly what I had. I'm and literally the shirt I'm wearing right now from Madewell is a maybe an homage to this that. This is time. legit head to toe Madewell. Yeah. Madewell pants, Madewell tank top. I, yeah, I'm wearing Madewell head to toe as well. <laughs> but of course the last thing I wanna bring up was uh, before they were famous, there were a couple of actresses who were about to say the Victoria's Secret models. No. Before they were famous, there were uh, several actresses who were limited to models, including Jessica Alba, Jessica Biel, and Leighton Easter. I was hoping to find more. I didn't, but I'm sure if I did a deeper dive, I could find some more. Leighton Easter! I know, good for her. Um, so that's really what I had on Limited 2. It was owned by L Brands, which is the, still the company that owned the Limited. And at one point or another, L, just a couple of the names of the stores that L Brands owned at one point or another. The Limited, Limited 2, Victoria's Secret, Bath & Body Works, Lane Bryant, Express, Abercrombie & Fitch. So they were the, like, mall, I mean... this Mall icons who mall have suffered icons. the mall apocalypse that's yeah, been happening that really has happened sadly but that's that's limited too limited is a really good segue into delia's because i think they share a lot delia's was the catalog version until they became a limited mall store run right but uh, obviously we're a huge delia's fan because our header photo on our soundcloud page is a delia's picture i just felt like it encapsulated a lot of our personality mm -hmm. mostly the like nonsensical upper lowercase copy that was around it kind of felt really true to a 90s girl aesthetic and like something that you could look at and be like oh yeah no I totally remember that yeah because if you were a girl in the 90s 
you had stuff marketed to you, you definitely came across at least one Delia's catalog in your time. Because before there was Pinterest or Instagram to give you style inspo, sometimes all you had was a Delia's catalog. And a pair of scissors. And I know that to be true for myself. Mm -hmm. And even though Delia's was for me and my mom the same thing, a special occasion store, like birthday, holiday. If I needed like a new big piece, like I, I got like a winter coat from there one yeah. time, like a pea coat, which I had waited years for my mom to be like, fine, we can splurge on like a nice pea coat from there. But it was also great because Delia's, you could find pieces that looked a lot like, or if not were exactly that, at TJ Maxx or at a Marshalls and at that price point. I definitely did buy a bunch of things at TJ Maxx that resembled what I had seen at Delia's. I mean, Atlanta cheaper. Atlanta does a great episode in the second season where it's like a flashback, flashback to Donald Glover's character, like doing back to school shopping with his mom. And they're at Marshall's and she buys him like a bootleg FUBU shirt. That was 100% my upbringing, <laughs> except swap FUBU with like Delia's bootleg. But I mean, I got my best imitation Olsen twins pieces from Delia's because that's how like kind of hip and current that they were. For sure. Delia's is definitely marked by its effortless cool girl style. And when you flip through the pages, you see people that look like oh, your best friend's older sister who's really cool and like drives you places or you see like a lot of Fiona apples or you just see the best pieces of Cher's closet from Clueless throughout the pages and it just inspires you to express yourself in your clothes like these girls seem to be doing it was definitely the first time I ever saw Paul Frank in that fucking sock monkey I my learner's permit picture in Virginia was taken wearing a pink Paul Frank sock monkey hoodie oh my god I remember my friend Cassandra got the Paul Frank wallet with the sock monkey on the front, and yep. I've never been more jealous in my whole life. I loved it. Julius the monkey. That was his name. Thank you. I just wrote fucking sock monkey in my notes. <laughs> this was also the first time you were introduced to the Surfer Girl Chic brand of Roxy, or at least uh. it was for me, even though I was from Southern California, which spurned a very strange style time for me personally, where I would wear nothing but board shorts to school with long sleeve shirts underneath my t-shirts. All Roxy, of course. Yeah. And then some of that was definitely purchased at like a Ross. Yeah, Don't I bought you worry. so much Roxy at Ross and Marshall. Yeah, and Billabong too. Yep. I definitely got I got, my, I got a Roxy bathing suit that I saw in Delia's at a Marshall's or like a Lowman's. And I was so pumped. I was like, fuck yeah. yeah. I'm going to be so hot this summer. It never was my summer. Didn't matter what bikini I was wearing. Pieces that Delia's were known for, especially you would see your friends wearing, and it was very on trend for the tween demographic that they were hitting, were camisole tank tops, maxi skirts. Before there was athleisure, there was snowboarder outerwear. Yep. <laughs> Where there was those, like, uh, those wide baggy pants that would make the shh, shh noise whenever you walked, yep. but you would wear them every day to school. Of course. You would get your very first fancy party dress or school dance dress from Delia's. A choir concert sweater, thank you very much. <laughs> I told you this before we recorded, but I was flipping through a Tumblr, and I don't know why I said flipping through, because it was the internet, but I was clicking through <laughs> a Tumblr that had old backlog Delia's catalog, and bless you, bless you, 90s, or Time Machine 90s Tumblr for uploading a bunch of scans of Delia's catalogs, because I eventually came across my special occasion holiday dress. It was like my birthday Christmas present. And it was like a black sort of mini dress. It was like a little bit above the knee, which was like huge for me at like 12. And it was like a slip dress and had like a mesh overlay. And it was short sleeve kind of wrap dress. It was all black because I was also goth. Duh, don't forget. And it had a blue 
velvet piping and it was matched with like these like a dark blue midnight blue and black platform sort of like um those like those slippers that you see in chinatown that have sort of like um like a wallpapery fabric so i got the flats version of that in chinatown and i wore my hair up in those two little buns and i thought it was the fucking coolest kid you've ever seen listeners i wanted this dress (laughs) so hard and never got it and so as an adult to tie it back to madewell (laughs) yours truly bought from the sale one time a mesh dress that had a slip component that had like it's really cute i still own it with like i think i still do with like polka dots like gold and silver polka dots i think i know it. what dress you're talking about yeah and i wore it because i many. too was like do i want to get this i bought it because it was on sale and it reminded me of the dress i never had that you had well i also never got that barbie hot wheels that i will never let go i had that there we go see <laughs> see where we, the, the universe evens it all out i think it's having two girls that's really it my parents could justify like oh if she can't play with it at one point the other one will oh that's that's actually a very good point. The curse uh, of an only child. That's deficiency. I did not get an American Girl doll, though. That was. Oh, sorry. I had two. That's when I um. found out Santa Claus wasn't real. <laughs> I found out Santa Claus wasn't real when I didn't get a fucking hamster, which, why did I want a hamster? They're the most useless pet. My hamsters killed one another. One oh, killed I've the he- other. I've heard of that. We There was, not my school, but a different friend's elementary school had two hamsters kill each other in their Science project area. Sounded terrifying. Two, two men or two bo- two women hamsters together, they kill one another. If you put male and female, they have babies. So there's really no... So you just have a hamster. You have a hamster. You should not have two. Okay, we've diverged dramatically yes. away from pieces. I'm just going to quickly blow through the rest of the pieces that you might remember Delia's floor, overalls, jean, and corduroy form. The tulle, yep. ball-length tulle skirt with a spaghetti strap tank top, so like the high-low kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Board shorts, as I mentioned, platform sandals, Mary Jane's clogs, Roxy's hula scent. That was the first place I ever saw it, and then I would just go buy it at Bow Surf. And then butterfly clips and chokers. Definitely chokers were a huge thing. And the butterfly clips, they were very well known for the accessories, mostly because if you were a broke tween who, you know, was just using their babysitter money, like I did, you yep. that was all that you could really afford <laughs> were the accessories. I had a lot of sweaters there that I would wear during the holidays. Like, I had... I feel like Christmas was a good time to, like, con auxiliary family members when they ask yes. you what you wanted into getting you Delia stuff because you're yes. like yeah this is my penance for having to spend the next two weeks with you over the course of the holidays and some of those things I bought early on in high school and I had them until senior year in fact I just remembered my senior superlative photo for surprising most talkative was uh shot with me wearing a Delia sweater like I was I was looking at my old yearbook when I was back for the holidays I was like oh yeah that sweater is from Delia's Hung on to so much Delia's stuff. Just took really good care of it because yeah. it didn't obviously come around all of the time. And it was special occasion stuff, so I did want to preserve it and make sure that it was it looked nice and I could wear it for as long as possible. Yes. Delia's debuted in 1994, and by 1998, it was sending out 55 million catalogs a year. They called it Delia's at first. They do not know where the name comes from. I checked a lot of different places as to who Delia's was or how it was inspired but thanks to thanks to Tamara Inkenberg at the Baltimore Sun for her article on one of the founders, and thanks to multi-channel merchant who covered the purchase of Delia's in 2003 by Mark Del Franco that I got a majority of like these numbers and uh, in addition to like Wikipedia, where I got some of this info from. So Delia's they don't know where it came from, but initially they created 20,000 catalogs in 1994 and hired students at NYU and Columbia to distribute them, and. For a while, 
they weren't hitting very well. But they finally decided that their sort of voice that they were aiming towards was for a girl who's reading YM or watching MTV and seeing a bunch of cool stuff, but they live in a small town. They live in a small town, and they don't have any place to buy any of that. So Delia's was founded by Stephen Kahn and Chris Edgar. Chris Edgar, at the time of Delia's launch, was getting his doctorate in comparative literature at Columbia when Delia's was created, and him and Stephen Kahn were roommates and friends at Yale several years prior. Stephen Kahn got the idea to sell clothes to women on the Columbia campus thanks to his younger sister, but they. But they quickly decided that they should tailor their business closer to the 10 to 24-year-old market because they saw it was reaching high school kids because they had college-age siblings, and it was sort of circulating kind of word of mouth through there. And they decided that they were going to focus on three Cs, commerce, community, and content. Mm. And so they ended up, that's how they kind of initially turned their catalog into a cultural phen- phenomenon. And Delia was just sort of built off of their word of mouth buzz to propel them to like the next upper echelon and so when they did it they didn't really think anything was going to come of it and so they had sort of created a magazine that was going to be tailored more towards their generation by using clever phase clever phrases and cool clothes but it ended up resonating much more strongly with the tween market so according to the cut four million people or 10 percent of the 40 40 million female millennials currently living in the united states have requested adelia's catalog in their When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Life. Wow. At the height of their popularity, they held 20 million names, constituting 30 to 40% of U.S. consumers between the ages of 12 and 18, which is like a crazy coveted demographic. A hot data breach. (laughs) But also, it's exactly who you want to target because they're spending their parents' money. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. In August of 1998, which was their pinnacle, Delia's was receiving anywhere from 3,000 to 5,000 catalog requests every single day. Some places also reported a 7,000, but I'm going to just stay on the safe side. The company had a whopping 5 million names in their database. Each one, a comp- each one had a precise order history. The price point was sort of like on the higher side, but as we said, the accessories could be sort of like a more easy entry point because it was a little bit more affordable, like in the ten to twelve dollar range. But tank top started at about eighteen, and some of like the higher end pieces, like jeans or uh, a dress, are really like in the forty eight dollar range, and like coats were like in the hundred dollar range. They were the first to offer a girl's look and attitude that was a little bit more contemporary and edgy, and they capitalized on the girl power movement that was happening at the time. Apparently, in the nineties. 
books like Reviving Ophelia were on every parent's nightstand. My mom had that book. And Improving Girls' Self-Esteem as They Transitioned into Womanhood was a national conversation topic. The U.S. Health Department and Human Services launched a girl power campaign in 1997 with vague aims to empower young women. So even though that they, even though Delia's was a brand and a consumer-driven band, brand, obviously benefit greatly from you spending your parents' money. They were one of the few that encouraged young women in this age range to express themselves through their clothes, hair, accessories, and room decor. Their catalog featured a really fun format that like mixed the upper lowercase font, saying things like "more flirtatious than your friend's older brother" or "staying cool in the summer," and sometimes even like the fill in the blank Mad Lib style one alongside chicks who could be your cool best friend at summer camp wearing a super rad outfit alongside another row of butterfly clips that you also wanted to buy. As the founders once described it, it was to quench a thirst for something inaccessible of a downtown style for girls who are reading YM and watching MTV and frustrated to see a bunch of cool stuff living in their small town and nowhere to go buy it. It forced you to sort of more engage with the content, especially through like the Mad Libs to kind of put yourself in these models positions, even if you didn't necessarily like love the outfit you it was really aspirational in a lot of ways and it asked you to interact with a catalog which was kind of difficult to do and it wasn't just like a call and order kind of thing even if you could call 1-800-DELIAS-NY and looking through it at like with 2019 eyes it just looks like a lot of what Billie Eilish would wear honestly for sure Uh, Behind the scenes is really important because this is the team that was responsible for, like, the day in, day out. And they created the catalog essentially out of nothing, out of these guys' dream of selling clothes or upselling clothes to, like, a college-age girl market. So there's Kevin Hatt, who is the in-house photographer who also worked with the Beastie Boys and was a huge influence on the coolness aspect of the photos that everybody knows and loves so much. Mostly Kevin would just let the girls be themselves in the photos, and they were largely spur of the moment. A lot of the models were also skaters, in addition to obviously being professional teenage models, and they weren't allowed to show their more tomboy side, which is why they loved working for Delia so much, and that's why I feel like a lot of the pure joy, spontaneity pictures feel so naturalistic was because they were really enjoying themselves. There, when Delia's was going out of business in 2014, the first time, they had a couple of interviews with some models that I will touch on in a minute. And they just talked about how Delia's was the brand that they loved and looked forward to working with the most. It was There was nothing weird going on. The behind-the-scenes team was very involved and very interested in hearing their ideas about what works and what doesn't work. And they were just really allowed and given the space to just be themselves. That's so refreshing after the retrospect that we've been getting lately on some of these brands, shows, everything, where you're like, oh, this was run by horrible people. Great. <clears throat> like, it's it's nice to hear that. Yeah. It's like, oh, the CEO was accused of being a sexual harasser. Like, there was none of that. There yeah. was no, like, unsafe quality. Like, one of the models talks about in an interview with MTV, I believe, or maybe it was Vogue, but she talks about going to Delia's with her mom because her mom was also a stylist, but she also very much enjoyed just being around, like, the Delia's vibe. There was Charlene Benson. She was the creative director. She was working, at least at first, at Delia's while she still had a full-time job at Mademoiselle for the first year that she was at Delia's. It was her idea to do the irregular capitalization and the captions, spoofing Cosmo covers with stuff like how to kiss a boy and how to tell if he likes you. She decided to go the other way and imagine a girl who was less worried about boys and was much more creative and a free spirit who was more concerned about hanging out with her friends. The first catalog was a huge success and they sold every piece of merchandise that they sold. Then she ended up going full time after that. 
Galadriel Masterson. I hope I didn't butcher that first name. She was the stylist. She's also referred to as like a big sister aunt type by a lot of the other models and in some of the other pieces that I was sort of poking around and trying to get a sense of like the team that brought this catalog to life. And everybody just talked about how she, all of the models loved her and she had a great rapport with all of them and they just loved to be around her and that she was known mostly for putting to putting stuff together that wasn't super matchy or super outfitty, but seemed like a teenage girl would go into her closet and just pick these things. Mm. And Masterson and the hair and makeup woman, Tracy Murphy, were starting their careers out together in addition to the model. So it was like a really exciting, like, there, the possibilities are endless kind of time as well. A huge boon to Delia's, especially in their marketing, whether it was intentional or not, was that they used a lot of the same models over the course of the magazine's production, which is why some of the former quote-unquote Delia's girls still get recognized today. Like I said, when Delia's closed in 2014, MTV and Vogue tracked down some catalog regulars. There's Janelle Fishman. She was covered by Vogue. She was a brunette model with big eyes. And Kim Mataluva. She was interviewed by MTV. She was the blonde who I thought looked a lot like Fiona Apple, and she made a lot of silly faces. They both had stories about being approached by women that are now their age and, like, a little bit younger, coming up to them and being like, were you in Adelia's catalog? Like, you look so familiar. Other notable models who have posed for Delia's in their iconic catalog are Miranda Kerr, Brooklyn Decker, Rosie Huntington-Whitley, Cassie of uh, You and Me fame, and Kristen Ritter. They essentially built characters out of these models over the course of following them in the catalog. You could see how one girl or a few of the different girls could transform themselves and their looks with just clothes and accessories every single time you check in or every quarter you would check in. Having a set of reoccurring models definitely was part of the appeal of Delia's. It really kind of helped you identify. You could have a favorite. You could have multiple favorites. It just created a cast of characters that just made you more attached than just seeing clothes on a body and being like, yes, I want that. And it's very similar to how Victoria's Victoria's Secret has angels and people have their quote-unquote favorites and they always want to buy whatever she's wearing. So as for whether or not Delia's is still in business, it is a long story and I will try and sum it up as quickly as I can. It also kind of spills over into Alloy, which I'll be talking about, but Alloy doesn't have a ton of information, so just bear with me. There's going to be a little bit of crossover. First, Alloy agreed in July of 2001 to buy its closest rival, Delia's, which at the time, or at its peak, was making $137 million dollars. But they bought Delia's in 2001 for $50 million. Oh, That's low. I know. They they talk about it in a um, multi-channel merchant article about how it was essentially a steal. And that this was as big of a deal in the retail space as, like, Britney and Justin breaking up. Yeah. Or getting together. Whatever. Choose your – pick your poison. So the combined company will have an annual catalog, internet, and retail sales of roughly $3 million – oh, excuse me – $300 million and a database of more than 20 million names of consumers between the ages of 18 – or, I'm sorry, of consumers between the ages of 12 and 18. It's so hot in here. I'm losing my mind. Anyway, since the early to mid-1990s, Delia's and Alloy's have been on similar but different paths. When Delia's launched in 1994, a year and a half before Alloy, they were not quick to take to the internet. Actually – they launched the internet arm second, and Alloy, by comparison, launched the internet arm first. Um, Delia's made a lot of really bad investments in random companies. They bought, like, a kid's company. They bought CCS, which ended up being sold to Foot Locker and was eventually made into, like, a shoe company. Wasn't their kid's line called Dot Dot Dash? 
I think that's what it was called. Who's? Delia's had a girls' store. It was called Dot Dot Dash. It lasted. Oh, that for, sounds familiar. It lasted for like two seconds. Right, just like their men's line. Right. No, like Delia's bought. Uh, what did they buy? They bought a soccer catalog. They bought storybook heirlooms and just for kids. I remember that catalog. They bought iTurf. They got, they bought a bunch of like random stuff. They just didn't make any sound investments. So while they were doing that, Alloy was essentially being a title holding company. They made smart sound decisions. And so Delia's got hurt with a lot of costly leases on top of some, so they're basically chasing bad money after bad in some ways. So they not only invested in a bunch of things that didn't really serve them, they also had a lot of costly leases that they were trying to renegotiate. And they also went on a – oh, that was their spending spree, just buying a bunch of random stuff that just didn't end up folding into any of their properties. But Alloy, in addition to owning Delia's, also owned Girlfriends LA, and it brought it brought the overall total to 13 – or I'm sorry, 30 – it brought the overall number of Alloys owning between Delia's themselves and Girlfriends LA to $318.3 million. The total circulation of Delia's catalog at the time of being purchased by Alloy was $35 million in 2001. Delia's in 2014 announced that it was it was preparing for bankruptcy and planning to liquidate its assets. The following year, the brand's intellectual property sold for $2.5 million to a subsidiary, which also bought Alloy's, Alloy from Delia's for $3.7 million in 2013. As of 2019, bring you all the way back to current times, Delia's has a capsule collection slash licensing deal with the SF e-commerce slash San Francisco. They only have, I think they only have one or two brick and mortar stores called Dolls Kill. They're Mm. sort of like a Forever 21, but they're, I feel like they're most known for having festival gear. Like they will release capsule collections for Burning Man, for Coachella, for uh, Lollapalooza. So that's what they're known for. But I went and checked and they still, they did, they did justice. It was a huge deal in 2015 around the time when they first launched the licensing deal, or maybe it was 2016, and they went through painstaking detail to recreate a lot of looks. They had a lot of the same look and feel as, like, the catalog. So it felt like a real linear move. It's sort of like Lisa Frank has a lot of licensing deals out now as well, and that's how Hello Kitty makes their money. They have a ton of licensing deals. That's why you have, like, a Hello Kitty rice maker and all sorts of other wild Mm -hmm. shit. So other competition to Delia's at the peak was Alloy, obviously, who bought them later, Just Nikki, Zoe, Wet Seal, Moxie Girl, Air Shop, and then at one point Delia's did spin off a boy brand called Droog Boy, and it lasted from 1998 to 2000. And some little small tidbits, when they tried to make it into the content space, they launched Girl.com in 1998, which was huge at the time. Yeah. But then the teen tween market exploded shortly thereafter, and they were outpaced by, like, the teen vogues and the L for teens and all the other established brands that were spinning off into the tween market. And so they eventually sold to Mag- Seventeen magazine. I owned a book from Girl.com. Like, they made – they published print books, too, on, like – beauty tips and stuff so oh i loved girl.com yeah and then when i turned it to 17.com it was a little bit confusing but essentially 17.com was using girl doc or 17 was using girl.com to basically be their digital arm and now if you type in girl.com it just takes you to 17 magazine and then last little tidbit about delia's i remember their furniture catalog and all of their bedroom stuff and their inflatable furniture, but their inflatable furniture was a little bit pricey, so the knockoff place that you would get the inflatable furniture from, at least in SoCal, was a place called Aha's, and it was like a novelty gift shop, but they had all sorts of wild room decor that was very similar to Delia's, but as I was telling Emily when I was like flipping through, fuck, (laughs) not flipping through because it's on the internet, 
looking through a Tumblr, Odelia's catalogs, I looked at some home goods stuff and remembered that I owned a set of sheets from Delia's just by, I saw it and was like, oh, long lost sheets. They're like cosmic cats. And I don't know, it just sent me back to a much simpler time. All right, you want to look at a couple really quickly Delia's looks that we can just describe. Like, I think that this is a quintessential Delia's page. Yeah. So we have a girl, and she's got, like, in those snowboard track pants. Yeah. That they're black with, like, red piping and a white stripe and, like, a camisole white tank top that looks like an undershirt, but it's not. Right. Oh, that's um, that's one of the models that was interviewed. Oh, I remember her. That's Kim. That's Kim. Oh, cool. In the red ringer tee and baggy jeans. That was such a big thing. Just these little, like, camisole, like, the cut of this camisole, like, the little tiny scoop neck. Yep. Because if you went to France and you went to Le Petit Bateau, you could get the same thing for half the price. Yep. And they would sell them in packs of three shirts. Yep. There's also, like, these PJ sets. Probably, like, my first matching PJs. Like, what was up with, like, the blue and the butterflies? I don't know, but I definitely had PJ pants from Delia's for sure. I don't remember what they looked like, but I had a pair. Oh, goodness. The skirt with, like, the frayed, the denim skirt, but dyed with the The, front pockets. The one stripe across your boob. This is a quintessential late 90s look. And I think in the Dolls Kill line, they have the rainbow stripe. They do, yes. Across your boob. That was, like, such a... And it was from the 70s, like, 70s skater wear. But it's such an icon... Like, for me, that is quintessential late 90s. Okay, I would still buy this Roxy bathing suit because I love the cut of these boy shorts. But I remember this, like, blue window pane, like, a light blue and a royal blue. And then it came in different cuts. Like, oh, do you want... You can mix and match. You can have, like, the boy shorts, and you can have the racer back, or you can have, oh, why did we have swim skirts? God, it's like tennis skirts. I'm like, I, I'm just going to wear shorts, you guys. Why? I had the racer short. I want to say I had See, shorts. I would own this one, too. This looks yeah, like American Apparel. Really, really cute. It's like a dark brown with, like, a mustard trim. It's real 70s Boogie Nights vibes. Yep. Oh, and there's some of the makeup that they also sold. So they would sell sort of like a trio of neon colored nail polish and then i mean look this looks like rihanna's line like this it really does purple color looks just like hers i draw that logo a lot like if i'm doodling i find myself drawing a variation on the delia's logo which is that circle it's like the flower the circle in the middle and like the little teardrop petals but yeah that's the choker with your astrological sign yep. i mean what's old is new again i mean i think it was really smart obviously of dolls kill to strike up this licensing deal i mean look at these i would buy those clogs right now oh my god because what's old is new again i, I feel like i could wear all of this stuff right now and be very in style very in style the bag's not as much. Oh, the suspender, the yeah, rainbow, rainbow suspenders rainbow. and belts. Yep. A lot of people had that in my middle school. I mean, look at this maxi skirt with the dragons on it. Oh, I don't remember why that was such a trend, Chinese but it was. dragon print was like yes, such I mean, a thing for a while. That, that. Oh, the brocade fabric dresses yes. too. Yep. A lot of plaid. Yeah. And then also wearing kind of camisole short Lavend- dresses. I think. Lavender. lavender lavender walks so millennial pink could run that's you, very true you heard it first guys good good Over retrospective here. prediction and then they also had like kind of tom more tomboy gear like this oh. wool vest over a t-shirt and baggy jeans or even these like nerdy ass mid-length jean shorts which should only be reserved for laura dern and jurassic park and they should be khaki yeah i mean truly Highway and then City, some of yeah. these 
70s inspired bomber jackets were always very interesting to me. I always yeah. kind of wanted one, but I knew I'd never use it. The military inspiration is there for sure, too. A lot of like army, like long baggy army green pant with like a, like a lot of neutral khaki. That was, I think, the beginning of the military inspiration. That was really big for a while. And Delia's definitely had a lot of that in there. I'm going to dive into Alloy, but it's going to be a very shallow dive because there's not a ton of info. They started online in January of 1996 and then added a catalog a few months later. They are founded by James K. Johnson and Matthew Diamond as a holding company for Alloy, a teen-oriented magazine and website. By the time the company went public in May of 1999, the website had already earned $15 million in monthly revenues and had 1.3 million registered users. In January of 2000, they purchased a book publisher, 17th Street Productions, renaming it Alloy Entertainment, sort of encompass sort of like a digital arm because they also, as I said, they are a title holding company. They spun off and did production stuff. More contemporarily, they were involved in that YouTube, annoying YouTube channel Smosh. So mm -hmm. they weren't just clothes. They were just a multi-conglomerate. But to just talk about the clothes, Alloy, not to be confused with Alloy Apparel, which was a much more mature woman's catalog, which I once disappointingly received in the mail because I thought <laughs> I had ordered an Alloy catalog. It was much more streetwear clothes. They also predominantly featured boys as well. Shit ton of bucket hats. So many bucket hats. It was much more sporty. I'd say they yeah. had like much more like loose skater, baseball snowboard. Tees. Yeah. A lot of, lot, of, lot of baggy jeans. Their demos seemed to be almost like a pre-Anchor Blue Miller's Outpost. And although they had similar sort of lifestyle photography as Delia's, it was much more traditional in catalog feel otherwise. It did always kind of feel a little bit like a knockoff. But when Alloy bought Delia's in 2001, their circulation was 55 to 60 million versus Delia's 35. So I guess they had outlasted. I know that Alloy also was better known for branching out into having more size diversity than, say, like a Delia's, which kind of really catered to a more petite or um, model-sized women's line. But really, that's all I know about Alloy. I think they're still active today, but they're like a, a tall girl brand. Interesting. And that's all I got. Huh. Well, I think the one last brand that we're really going to deep dive into to bring it back to the brick and mortar is going to be Claire's, just because that's such a staple of the back to school look. And, um, and just kind of one of the first stores, I don't know about you, but for me, it was one of the first stores I remember spending, like going in and spending my own money and not having like a parent purchase something. And even if it was like an allowance that was given to me via my parents. Right. It was me making that decision to buy that pair of earrings. Well, I definitely got my ears pierced at Claire's me the too. first time. And I recently got my ears re-pierced. And when I went to, like, a professional tattoo piercing place, the guy was like, where'd you go, Claire's? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I can tell because they did a terrible job. Yeah. He's like, they're not symmetrical. No, you can see on mine. Mine. My, uh, he had to re-pierce them. So it's actually very confusing now to put in earrings. I'm like, oh, oh no, not that one. The other hole. I thought about doing that because... That's what she said. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> this one is so much more droopy than the other. Like, whoever, whichever 19-year-old in 1997 pierced my ears, like, she... This <laughs> one's perfect. And then the other or one... Or checked out high schooler pierced your ears with a piercing gun. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got my first holes there. I got my second holes, which are in terrible shape. And then 
very badly don't ever do this i got a cartilage piercing done there when i was 16 oh no i know luckily and like i've been to piercing places where i've gotten other cartilage piercings done with a needle and they've been like yeah i mean you shouldn't have done that but it looks fine it healed properly you're fine but yeah i mean it claire's is there anything more iconic or like such a hallmark of being a girl if you didn't come from a culture where you, you got your ears pierced as a baby like going and getting your ears pierced at Claire's was such a like right of passage even if ah. it's your second third everybody I everybody. know got their fucking ears pierced at Claire's yeah, no, at one totally, point totally so Claire's was formerly known as Claire's Accessories originally in the 60s they were founded as a wig company known Whoa. as Fashion Trust Industries it was the largest wig retailer for fashion wigs in what year and this is in 1961. They were originally uh-huh. just a wig store, and they weren't known as Claire's. They're, they got the name because Roland Schaefer, the guy who owned the wig stores, or the wig company, acquired a small chain of hat stores called Claire's in the early 70s and switched them over to this idea of just selling accessories. And in the late 70s, started piercing ears in 1978. And so over the course of the 80s and 90s, he proceeded to, the Claire's chain started getting bigger and bigger. In the meantime, he started acquiring all of these other budget accessory chains. So we're looking at like, there was one called Topkapi in Japan that he acquired in the 80s. Bo Bangles in the UK in the early 90s. He acquired the icing in 1995. Yeah, because I remember they were also called icing stores at one point. So the icing is the only one of the chain of stores that he acquired that retained its original name. And that was to differentiate it by market. So Claire's very much catered to young girls and tweens and early teens. Whereas the icing was supposed to be, like, a young woman, like, in her 20s. Which, Got it. honestly, I shopped at the icing. Me too. Yeah, in high school. <laughs> I did not get that differentiation. No, likewise. I was like, all of this is for me? All this cheap costume jewelry? Great. Perfect. Uh, perfect. And that was, and the other one that I remembered was called Afterthoughts in 1999. Which oh, yeah. over 700 stores. But I really liked Afterthoughts because I had, like, they sold a lot of alien stuff. And that was, like, you know, late 90s. <laughs> Again, Billie Eilish would totally wear a bunch of this shit. Um, so over time, Claire's grew to having at one point that over time, their stores were in 96% of all U.S. shopping malls, which makes sense. Like where, and no matter what the budget of the mall, when by, by that, I mean like the, the tier of customer that they're catering to. So it's a, it's a discount, more discount store mall, mid-level mall, expensive mall. I feel like a Claire's was like always a staple. Yes. For sure. Hard agree. And at one point, they had over 3,400 stores in the world in 36 countries. Um, and so in 2002, after their dad, Roland Schaefer, had a stroke, his daughters, Bonnie and Marla Schaefer, took over as co-CEOs. They were doing so well that um, in the late, around 1996, they were reporting earnings of $345 million. Holy and shit. And that's before they had finished all the acquisitions that they made. So in 2005, after the sisters have taken over, the company made its initial public offering to on the NASDAQ. They did, that year in 2005, $1.3 billion in sales. Hmm. Which makes sense. I mean, this was like, they're such a huge chain. And just two years later, it was sold to Apollo Global, which is a private equity firm, for $3.1 billion in a leveraged buyout, which means um, they that the firm that bought them had to borrow money in order to buy them. I see. Shout out to the piece that was in Lenny, which no longer exists. Um, I didn't always like Lenny, but this was actually a really good piece on the history of Claire's that was really helpful for this piece um, for my section on Claire's. So like I said, at, at, the, at its high point, their stores were in 96% of all U.S. shopping malls, 
and Claire has done more ear piercings than any other retailer, over 90 million in p- over tw- like 30 years. That's crazy. I know. That's too many ears. Three, and in 2017 alone, they pierced ears 3.5 million times. What? Yes. Well, it makes sense. I mean, like, other than piercing Pagoda and then Limited 2 went out of business or went over to Justice, where I don't think they were doing ear piercing as much anymore, they're, like, the one place. I mean, right. you go to a doctor's or, like, a jewelry store, I guess, um, and maybe a tattoo. Yeah, party, where else but, would you go? But, you know, if you have a daughter, chances are they're going to Claire's. Yeah, and if you're a parent, you don't want to be driving around all day trying to find some reputable place. You're like, great, Claire's fine. Let's go. Get in there. Exactly. Shoot and- her ears up. <laughs> Let me trust this 18-year-old with my poor daughter. You got this? You got this? Great. You got this? Great. Good luck on the SAT next week. Oh, my God. My stepmom took me with my stepbrother. Uh, My dad wanted no part of it. Oh, God. So, its decline, unfortunately, has happened in the last decade or 15 years. I feel like I've been seeing a lot of, I mean, in addition to you know, the one last blockbuster on Earth. I've right. seen a lot of, you know, last Claire's on Earth pieces. Right, and there a lot of the stores do exist still, but um, obviously there was a huge decline. Part of it has to do with the company's failure to embrace digital. They Are um, they not online? Well, they weren't. They didn't launch e-commerce until 2011 North America, and Ooh. then two years later in Europe, which, like, miss, they missed it big time. Oh, that's rough stuff. They could have been... Huge. They could just go full-blown e-commerce if well, they had timed that better. I mean, exactly. And, like, of course, near, meanwhile, Amazon, you can buy anything from China that looks like something you'd buy from Claire's. And, I mean, it's even Etsy, this, too, yeah, if you want to step up and for feel sure. better about yourself. Exactly. Um, the other thing is that, uh, so in 2018, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. They were $1.9 in debt at that point. Yikes! Um, what? Yeah. I mean, How? This, too many bad investments? Yeah, it was bad investments. I mean, they acquired so many chains. And so it worked for the first couple of years. But imagine this. Like, you, this is the time when shopping malls are closing. Uh, people are not going to malls anymore. Right. And even if their square footage is Small apocalypse. Their square footage is only about 900 square feet per store. Yeah. Um, which is much smaller than most mall uh, offerings. But they were in so many... They saturated the market. They were in every single mall. They're only so... If, you know... You, 13-year-olds aren't going to the mall anymore. Like, How does Starbucks do it then? Well, Starbucks, I mean, they're outdoors. That's the, there it mm. is. Like, maybe a mall Starbucks does fine. I can't tell you how bummed I was when I went to Westfield in San Francisco thinking that there was still a Sanrio store there, and there wasn't. Oh, no. It closed a long time ago. I had to I had to ask several employees. It was very embarrassing. Do you know <laughs> Hello Kitty's first, the first time she was ever sold in the United States was in San Jose? I think I probably did know that because I went to the Hello Kitty con and they had the museum exhibit attached to it. And okay. so I have I walked through an entire history. So I know that they started licensing out their image of Hello Kitty in like 1979 and that's how it sort of broke through to an American market. But that's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. Um, but essentially, of course, Forever 21, H&M, while Claire's was a holdout on e-commerce for so long... H&M and Forever 21 were very into e-commerce uh, in the mid to late 2000s and, and were heavy on that. I mean, and, that's how they squashed and, Delia's, essentially. Exactly. And their supply chain. That's the biggest thing you have to note with all of those fast fashion companies is their supply chain. 
they are getting smaller quantities of certain products, but they're shipping things out on a weekly basis. You're getting new stuff in the store, whereas Adelia's or Eclair's or any of the limited two had collections. Mm -hmm. It was not a every week we've got, you know, 10, 15 new items coming into the store. This is going to be limited quantities. And you go to a Forever 21, you can do all your shopping in one place. Whereas uh, Eclair's, which offers just accessories of, of the same market, you can only do accessories. And it makes, so it makes sense. And it's unfortunate. But, you know, I think it's it's the same story as Delia's limited to a lot of these other stores where they just, the square footage didn't match up to what, you know, people are doing in terms of foot traffic. And if I can get the same thing at another store for the same price point and also do my shopping in other ways, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. Of course. That's why a Target is so popular for back to school shopping. Yeah. But I feel like one of the final things I want to note about Claire's is I feel like the rite of passage of shoplifting was often, <laughs> Claire's was often the focal point of that one. Um, I was a goody- Sometimes a Rite Aid. <laughs> I was a goody two-shoes. I think I, I shoplifted from there once intentionally, and the other time I did it unintentionally. I had a pair of earrings that were stuck to my coat hood, and then later <laughs> caught out of the store and was like, oh shit, and then like was too embarrassed to go back, so... But yeah, I don't. I didn't dabble into shoplifting as much as other people. Most of my friends really. That's that's really my rite of passage at Claire's. I stole lip gloss from Rite Aid once. It's <laughs> pretty much it. Yeah, it's very exciting. I never stole from Claire's because I was like, it's so cheap. Why would you steal it? I don't know. I know when the Mervins in the Burbank Mall closed, a lot of people I knew <laughs> shoplifted like fucking crazy there they stole so much stuff because Mervyn's was also like a one-stop shop but they also had like books and so just got the most random Christmas gifts for like two years from a select few high school friends I was like is this shoplifted from Mervyn's like yeah (laughs) we didn't have you know it (laughs) we didn't have Mervyn's on the east coast our department store chain that I think is probably comparable Mervyn's was the department store right I think the one that's comparable to like where I grew up in the mid-Atlantic area was Hex, and that was then acquired by Macy's. Oh. So they turned them all into Macy's, which isn't doing well either because uh, I think they did a lot of acquisitions of regional chains. and They did, yeah. as evidenced by the multitude of brands that they rep that don't make sense. No, I mean, it's definitely too much of a range. Like I think Nordstrom was smart in keeping its its range in terms of price point, and you know, you go to Nordstrom. And having a very forgiving return policy. The best return policy Nordstrom and Costco because L.L. Bean doesn't have it anymore oh lord I mean let's not even get me started on the L.L. Bean Ford Explorers that were so big in the 90s (laughs) again a different podcast episode indeed is that all you have for back to school staples slash mall stores that are defunct? Um, just a couple. We talked about Girlfriends LA for about two seconds. I really wish I could find more information on that. I spent like two hours looking yesterday. Sadly, really only a couple of like personal anecdotes. There was one woman um, who has an art- a blog called Tutus and Tiaras. She's a plus size blogger. She was talking about how this brand was really big on plus sizes, kind of like you were saying with, I think Alloy was big on that yes. too. She was saying that um, at its peak, Girlfriends LA was carrying up to a junior's 25 and a 3XL. And for her as a teenager, this was a place where she could shop, whereas like Delia's and some of the other catalogs did not carry that level of sizing. Um, the other thing that I noticed in Girlfriends LA um, was that they did a lot of promotion with movies, so they had a big Josie and the Pussycats collection. Oh, right. Right. So the sample catalog that I kept seeing all over the internet was from that uh, that 
kind of season. Of, that makes sense. And um, one of the models that I recognized immediately was Amber Stevens, who was on Greek, uh, which I believe was pu published full circle by Alloy in the beginning when Alloy was still doing TV. Oh, and, I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, she's now on Happy Together on CBS, which I have not watched. But I do like that Refinery 25, tw Refinery 29 refer to the clientele of this store or this catalog as mall bread punks because it's true i mean you look back and it was definitely a more punk rock billy chick style rebel girl chick style of delia's where it was very like leopard print faux leather pink snake skin i think girlfriends la was definitely more of a contemporary to delia's than say like a limited two no, so i think that you went to girlfriends la and delia's when you started to outgrow limited two yep. but you didn't feel ready for an urban outfitters i think this was kind of a very like this some of this stuff could have been sold at hot topic yes so that's some some not all for sure that's all i really had just nikki was the other one that claire's owned um so claire's owned a catalog uh, well, just nikki was very notable because its very first catalog had britney spears on the cover right and like this is... fresh face sorry fresh face mickey mouse club britney right and this is right before baby one or time had been released so i think they were it was part of her you know initial promo store, cycle promo yeah cycle. i mean they had weird partnerships for her during that promo cycle they they really did um the other thing worth noting is that this article i wrote read in the south florida sun sentinel referred to just Nikki having a happy face on the end of it. It has like a happy. Oh, yeah, it has a happy face emoticon. Emoticon, because it's not an emoji. And it's the. Yeah, quote, Emily, it's the 90s. It's the 90s. They refer to it as, quote, the 90s version of the 1970s smiley face. Okay. Um, whatever. And so that's, that's pretty much it. The eerie quote from this, though, that was a foreshadowing of why they lasted about two years was, quote, Though the smiley face comes from internet email, Just Nikki isn't banking on internet sales just yet. The internet site is so far so far is for feedback and ordering catalogs. Claire's isn't in a rush to start selling over the internet because it's still too slow and unwieldy, Doyle, the head of Just Nikki, said. Quote, I don't think the internet is there yet. <laughs> a sad foreshadowing. Uh, you, that's what happens when you don't trust and believe in Al Gore's internet. Indeed. Well, we hope you enjoyed this, back to, this very special episode of going back to school. A Two back-to-back... Very special episodes between, or well, I guess not back to back because it was two episodes ago that we did teen soaps, but a very special episode nonetheless. Super special. Please follow us on Instagram if you want a dose of nostalgia. We're at Old Millennials Pod. We'll probably have a couple pages of Adelia's magazine and some limited two looks up we, on the Instagram. We also now have a Facebook page as of a day ago. We are at the old we are at Facebook.com slash the old millennials pod. If you wanna find us there we'll be doing some cross posting but if you just want to quickly have a link to each episode you'll be able to find that there very nicely so come and like us on facebook and if you don't want to deal with facebook because you think mark zuckerberg is evil which honestly very fair that's all right you can just subscribe to this wherever you get your podcast whether it be on spotify or itunes which will become apple music or something soon yeah and we're also on soundcloud um, you can find us there, and you can also rate and review us. That helps other people find us, or just tell somebody about this podcast if you enjoyed it so much. Individually, you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Emily A. Bajan. And I'm at Marg, she wrote. Until next time. Make it to class, because you're late. Bye. Bye. <laughs>